Hey, yo, is this thing on? Hello, is your shit working? Yo, this is your fucking boy, Ian Barr. Just wanted to give a big fucking shout out. Let you know I've been listening to this shit since day one, son. Huge fucking fan. Tattoo Wise Guys Hideaway on my fucking neck. Play this shit at my fucking funeral. You understand me? You feeling what the fuck I'm saying? Hey, Ma, shut the fuck up. I'm on the phone. You hear me? Hey. God damn, let me get some fucking privacy. Oh. By the way, this your boy Tony the fucking Tiger Tapadaglio from the mean streets of Emmett, Michigan, boy, coming to you live. Listen, you need to do a fucking scoop, one of these fucking shindig episodes on the street legend, Louis Bagadonas Galante, all right? We've been running this shit for a goddamn hot minute. Holler at your fucking boy! Hey, I'll be back. I've been listening to you every fucking day. I gotta go pick up a fucking bag. I'll be back in a little bit. Hey, let's fucking roll! What's up, Brett? All right. Try it again. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. What's up? All right, cool. What's up, Dave? Rob? Hell yeah. We're getting good at this, boys. That's fucking good. <laughs> we talk some time about football for like two minutes before Rob's slow ass got on. <laughs> What's going on? Everybody? How's everybody feeling? How's everybody doing? We doing good? Yeah, very good, man. Good to have you, Brett. Thanks. Yeah, hell yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Wise Guys Hideaway. I'm Ian Barr, as always, with uh, Boston Rob and good old David from Jolly Old. I haven't come up with a nickname for you yet. Hey, Minnesota Dave. We're going to call you Minnesota. It's England. England Dave. England Dave. Oh, Dave England. Oh, my God. How did I not think of that? The dude, a fucking dude from Jackass. Dave England. I'm just going to call you. Dave England. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of England Dave, we're going to go with Dave England. Dave England. That's what's up. And then, of course, from Shy towns very own, Brett Giuliano coming back for his second round of Wise Guys Hideaway. I'm surprised. Thanks for wanting to come back, Brett. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's really just a bunch of scumbags screaming at each other on this show and cursing. and <laughs> I mean, on my end, doing drugs and what have you. But so, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, and it is fun. So we have a good time over here at the hideaway. But uh, you wanted to uh, talk somebody a little different. We're going to jump a little ahead. We've been sticking like mainly like it seems like 30s, 40s, 50s guys, sort of like the startup, like commission guys of the mob or the, uh, the second generation right after them. But you wanted to talk uh, uh, Greg Scarpa. And uh, I was I was down with that. We were all down with that. So uh, why don't you go ahead and, uh, I mean, leave us in on Greg Scarpa and some of your thoughts on him. All right. Uh, Greg Scarpa is a really interesting character, um, which is what mm-hmm. caught my attention. I uh, Back in September, I was listening to a, uh, um, a live stream with uh, Gunnar Lindblom and uh, Sonova with the National Crime Syndicate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And- they brought on Larry Mazza, who was a protege of, yep. um, yeah. of Scarpa. And I was actually, at the same time, I had just restocked my uh, kind of mafia library of new books. And I had a book I had just finished and was looking for my next one to pick up. And, it, and as I watched, you know, 20 minutes of this interview, it was interesting because Scarpa was, for like 40 years, he was an FBI informant and a full-fledged mafia capo doing Mm. hits and everything and like working his way up and doing like kind of tailing both sides of the line uh while maintaining you know that kind of status on both sides and i was like yeah he really really kind of is underplayed in the whole uh gangster like both sides of the line like a fbi informant you hear a lot about like uh, whitey bulger or you know guys like that but you know, I mean, you do hear about Greg Scarpa. I think he's more well-known than most, but he's not as, like, I don't know how he has him, like Whitey Bulger or somebody, you know? Yeah, he's not a Valachi, is he? 
Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's no Joe Valachi, and I don't understand why. But uh, give the folks a little lead in here. Greg Scarborough was born May eighth, nineteen twenty-eight, New York, New York. So he's uh, we're we're jumping out of the era where most of these guys are coming from Sicily or coming from Italy or something like that. We're starting to get into Americanized uh, mafiosos, and I really think that actually you have to take that into account when you start talking about these guys and kind of how I'm, I mean I don't know. I feel like right from the gate they lost a little bit of the traditional values of like some of the old schoolers. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yeah, Rob, what do you got going on over there? I haven't heard Dick from you since we started. Ah, uh, nothing. I'm just listening. When we had the guest on, like we did last week with Joey Rock, you know, they, they you know, I want to give them a chance to, uh, you know, speak and all that, and then we'll pipe in, jump in there, <clears throat> jump in and talk nonsense. Well, well I'll, I'll tell you what, though, I, I'd, I'd like to actually bring it kind of more into modern times, but obviously on the same story. Um, we know that the handler, Greg's handler, was uh, Lindley DeVecchio. And in 2006, DeVecchio was indicted on charges that he helped Greg with four of the murders. Um, and the indictment was virtually uh, solely based on one of Linda Shiro's testimonies. But then in 2007... Uh, Tom Robbins and Jerry Capecci come forward. Uh, did I say Capecci? Capecci? Um, they came forward and provided tapes from 1997 of an interview with Linda where she denied DiVecchio had any involvement whatsoever in the murders. Now, considering that he was indicted um, based entirely or virtually based entirely on her testimony, in 2008, a retired judge examined the case to see whether or not Linda should be facing charges of perjury. And he decided that there wasn't enough information on that tape to prove perjury. Now, either Linda's evidence or testimony which led to his indictment was a lie or it wasn't. If it was a lie then obviously there's perjury. And if there wasn't a lie, which he, he, would, he shouldn't have got off of it. So for me, there's still a lot of confusion um, behind the whole situation involving Greg. And one that I also think involves the CIA, but that's that's me. <laughs> yes, I mean, I feel like the CIA, I, I blame for a lot of stuff too. Uh, Brett, do you think that, like in like uh, your studies of Greg Scarborough, do you think that the estimates that they've given that he, he killed between 100 and 120 people are accurate, or do you think it's a little over, uh, like over-credited, or do you think it's a little under-credited and perhaps it was more? Because one thing is for sure, he, he was nicknamed the Grim Reaper, and he was one vicious son of a bitch, but I've, uh, I've, always, I've always wondered if the body count's accurate or not. What do you think? I think, I mean, based on, you know, I read the book, The Deal with the Devil, um, which is actually what got me interested, um, and I mean, he claims, you know, and a lot of people claim the <coughs> claim the phrase that you know, after he hit 50 kills, he stopped counting. And with the guy that was, you know, a top echelon uh, informer for the FBI, he was a capo, he was inciting this whole war several times. Uh, yeah. Yep. I mean, unlike, you know, the Iceman, I believe that uh, Scarpa definitely... I mean, 100, 120, I wouldn't bat an eye at that number. 
Yeah. No, there's a but what the one that gets me is they say like they're they're almost confident it's a an 80, 80 murders between a 1950s stretch and a 1992 stretch, which means they're accrediting him with upwards of like 40 bodies in the last year of his life, which is fucking I I mean between uh like the all the guys that get clipped in the Colombo War, which we'll dive into that here in a little bit. We'll uh we'll actually go into the Colombos a little bit here in a second too, but. That's insane. Like that. That's like serial killers. That serial killers don't even get that many bodies in a fucking year. Are you kidding? Like that's you're. I mean, that's next level shit, man. That's a, that's fucking definitely a statement. You know what I mean? And I mean, yeah. I mean, even though it's over a, a what thirty year period, it's still a lot of bodies. You know what I mean? It's no, but there's forty. There's forty in a year. Is what I'm saying because like they're saying between 1950 and 1992, they're they're guessing that 80 of the murders occurred. And Greg dies in 94. So in a two-year stretch, he goes from 80 murders to either 100 or 110 or 120. Either way, you're talking about catching 20 bodies in two years. That's insane. Serial killers don't kill that many people. Yeah, That's but then you've, only, you've only got to look how, how crazy he went after um, they tried assassinating him with uh, Linda and her daughter in the car behind. Um, that is true. He, he didn't give a shit after that. I mean, he was walking in the pub just shooting people. Yeah, no, he killed uh, Vincent uh, Fasaro when he was. I don't. I believe he was either putting up Christmas lights or he was taking down Christmas lights. I can't ever remember. I think he was putting them up when he outside his house. He was putting them up. And he was putting them up as he was coming around the. Uh, they were driving through the neighborhood. Yeah, and like Dave said, he did. Um, you know, he did start. You know, t- killing a lot of people after um that happened with um, you know, Linda. He is when he snapped, but. The real, I think the, you know, he was always a killer, of course, but the real reason that uh, he became so ruthless was when he contract, uh, con- contracted HIV. Yep. Yeah, yeah 1980. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's highly speculated that uh, it, there's even an interview with Scapa um, that you guys can look up on uh, YouTube and he talks about it. And uh, the interviewer was saying how, like, uh, they basically said it the HIV infection was like a license for him to kill because he knew he didn't have long. He only had a couple of years to live or whatever. So he, you know, just went crazy. And he, he basically single-handedly won that Columbo war. Mm. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Him and, um, I mean, my other too. I'm not sure if the Persico faction would have won if, uh, if, if they didn't have Scapa. I think Arena might've been able to, uh, pull it off if, um, Scott wasn't in the picture, but I, I, I don't know. Brett, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think with his ruthlessness, with the kind of sociopathic tendencies he had before, the AIDS, you know, doctors giving him like a year or two to live, and he ends up, you know, despite everything, living like six more years, I think it was. Um, mm. yeah. And yeah, feeling like, all right, I'm, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out fighting and and he yeah, led I mean, to believe that um uh, somebody approached him i don't i don't know who because i mean like we always say we don't really prepare for this we like to just do it the podcast yeah, girl, so i don't i don't have it in front of me but um what someone came to greg when uh when arena wanted to take over and make a move against um carmine because when carmine was in jail and he made his cousin Vic arena the acting boss but then Vic wanted to uh, become the boss. I even hear it was John Gotti pumping him up, like, you should take over for Carmine. He ain't getting out of jail, blah, blah, blah. So he sent, he sent out some uh, 
some feelers to see, you know, who would support him if he, you know, told Scarper he was taking over because he knew there would be a war over it. And uh, whoever went to Scarper about Scarper said, listen, he goes, I'm sick. You know what I mean? I, I'm dying. So I, I'm too sick to get involved in it. But, you know, wherever the, you know, whatever happens and wherever the chips fall, that's where I'll stay with. You know what I mean? Like, so he's basically saying, I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not going to get involved. I'll, I'll just, you know, if Orena takes over, I'll go with him. If not, like, you know, not, not get involved. But that was like his strategy to basically let them think he was sick. And then he starts killing everybody. Yeah. yeah no, with a vengeance too. I think I mean, um, John was... Gotti didn't, um, was you saying that, uh, about John Gotti, Rob, going to um, Scarpa, when it didn't Gotti go to Vicarina? Yeah, no, that's that's what I was talking about, Vicarina. Oh, sorry, man, like, uh, yeah, they were saying that uh, Gotti was like pumping him up, like uh, encouraging him to like, listen, you should take over the family, blah, blah, blah. And I know Gotti probably even offered his support. And then, well, I mean, Gotti and Arena had done, I'm pretty sure they had fucking had dealings together. Uh, during like the Kennedy day, like the Kennedy, like the airport, you know, the fucking hijacking days. Jesus Christ, the like the hijacking era. I'm I'm pretty sure they'd probably done some dealings together. Most of them fucking guys knew each other. You know what I mean? Like New York is fucking big. It's huge, but like when you're fucking working every corner of it to squeeze a crooked nickel out everywhere, it's not. And you're gonna kind of run into the same folk over and over again, especially when it's guys like yourself. You know what I mean? And I always thought that like the Gambinos and the Colombos, like sort of made it work between the two of them with the whole Kennedy thing. I mean, fuck Gambino's really made it work with anybody, but like with uh, Kennedy Airport, with all them splitting the Kennedy Airport, there's like a lot of partnerships that were built out of uh, like that stretch of of crime, really, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and then at that day, I mean, John John Gotti was the uh, boss of the Gambino family, so and with Vic Arena, the acting boss, Vic Arena was tended, you know, attending the meetings and stuff, so that's probably yeah, how yeah. him and Gotti uh, you know, built their relationship, how far they, how far they, or wh- how well they've known each other before that, you know, who knows, but I'm sure they've known each other, but, um, I think that's what really got them close. Well, I mean, also like speaking on Greg Scarpa though, I mean, he was just, he was kind of just tough from the gate, you know what I mean? He came from a tough neighborhood. Like I said, he was born May 8, 1928. He fucking grew up in Bensonhurst, you know, like. That, that wasn't no no walk in the park back then. Uh, his uh, it wasn't his uh, brother who actually br- uh, brought him into organized crime. Was uh, his brother uh, Sal Salvatore something like that? Yeah, I believe he. Uh, I believe he, yeah, he was involved with them first. Um, the Columbos and then yeah. uh, the Gray came. I don't know who got made first or anything like that, but um, it's actually alleged that um, Scapa Greg Scapa had his brother killed. Um, or, or or killed him himself because supposedly his brother had a suspicion that he was ratting and uh, he told somebody that, you know, he was going to do something about it and, you know, go to the boss and do something about it. So I think Gray got rid of him before uh, he could do it. Um, you know, who knows? Brett, do you think the uh, – or do you know if that old legend that he used to cut, uh, put 666 666- – and the uh, pages of his victims is like actually factual, yep. or if it's just like kind of tale. It's yep, true. It's true. Um, at least according to the uh, the book by Peter Lance about the FBI's relationship. Uh, that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was, that was a funny little tidbit. That's kind of a that's some. I mean, that's some next level shit right there. Yeah, he was so fascinating that I'm actually working on a short story for my comics. 
that I'm going to use one of my uh, Scorpion characters and actually do like a full like four to eight page mini comic based on, you know, with some liberties, of course, but. Hell yeah. Well, we got you on that for a second. You want to uh, you want to go ahead and plug your shit, plug your comic 15 minutes in time to do some advertisement, folks. Time to fucking pay them bills. Keep the lights on here at the hideaway. Brett, take it away. Yeah, so I do a comic called Dust Bunny Mafia. It's like Looney Tunes meets The Godfather. Uh, been doing it for about eight years now. I've got a bunch of stuff. Over 700 comics you can read on the website, dustbunnymafia.com. I've got a store that I've got a couple of collections on. You can buy, you know, now's the perfect time to think about Christmas gifts because you don't want to, you know, Hit the stores right now, so do it online. Uh, Hell yeah, everything. Trillionaires. If I can just add, like, uh, you know, I vouch for uh, Brett on that. If anybody, I strongly suggest you do check it out because uh, he's got some great material. I've been yeah. uh, following him for a while, and I we often talk, him and I. Um, so I, pre- you know, I appreciate you putting me in one of those motherfuckers, man. That was cool to see my name in a comic. Nobody's ever done that for me before. He, he comes up with the greatest ideas. That there's, you know, because actually me and him are collaborating on some small. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> what he what he thought of what he thought of was genius, in my opinion. I don't want to say it because I, you know, everybody oh, will see yeah, it when it's done. You know. But it was it's genius what he what he thought yeah I, I love brett stuff I, I think your stuff brilliant brett I, and not just that it's brilliant but it's especially in this world where there's a lot of um similarities going on yours is so unique as well it's just so different from what everyone else does that's that that on its own is enough just to read your stuff and follow you on instagram but um the the, the just I, I think it's fantastic i do and i agree with everything that rob says yeah, I agree with everything you just said, Dave. Hundred percent. And I agree with the two of you. Hey, hey, how you doing? We're over here. Away. Uh, I don't. I don't think we were talking to you, but yeah. Oh, oh you're not talking to me. I, I don't think we're talking. I'll cut us off. Seventeen minutes, sixteen. <laughs> give a fuck. We nah, we're, gonna her, we're gonna keep her going. Well, yeah, we'll do three shows. We're gonna keep her going round table here. Uh, David Brexford, you got any? Uh, you got any plugs? You got anything you want to advertise? I know you do. You gotta have something. Uh, well, no, um, I, I, um, nothing really that much coming up in respect of um, uh, organised crime. I've got uh, there's a story coming out on the National Crime Syndicate uh, on the fifteenth, which is a week early uh, to try and uh, it's all to do with the JFK assassination. I don't want to say too much. I haven't really put forward my my own views. I've just kind of laid out the facts if you like um yeah and then i've got um i've got a load of stuff going on in the prison reform side um which is more sort of um to do with this country really so it's not worth promoting that no, but uh-huh. well no i've got I'm, I'm, I'm on a uh hopefully it's going to lead to more shows as well we've got a show on monday where uh it's marlo fm over here in england uh i'm involved in a show where basically we look at we look at the prison system from my point of view from my eyes and we discuss it with there's the host of the show emma jane um and i've got a guy from uh he's an ex-police officer in the uk and there's a guy as well dj vodica who i've interviewed personally myself for national crime syndicate he's a former corrections officer um from from over there so 
No, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, anything you have going on, no, coming like, up. Look, man. I've got, I've, I've had plenty of people tell me like, "Congrats, you've made it to the UK and stuff." Like, we hear you over here. Like, we, we're yeah, we're mainly American. Listen to, but we, I mean, we're, we're holding it down over there, David. We're not, we ain't no slouches over here at the hideaway. I set this thing up for success, and you two guys were, you know, you're like the, uh, like the hot sauce, bringing some hot sauce, you know, and put it on anything. Rob, do you have any shout outs or advertisements or anything you'd like to? Um, well, yeah, I mean, just shout out to the usual guys. You all know who you are. Um, and I just want to say one thing for, uh, you, you know, shout out to Sarah DePaggio and the Mob King for anybody who, uh, likes the show and all that. Uh, season one has been postponed to 2021 due to Corona. Um, it was, the episodes were supposed to be released at the end of this year, but they've been pushed 2021. So I just want to let everybody know about that. Sarah's doing some big stuff, man. He, he's won a lot of awards like it. Yeah, he has like three other projects he's uh, currently working on. But um, I mean, all together, he's probably got like a dozen different things going on. Yeah, no, I mean, he he does. I mean, he does some big time shit, man. Big, big shout out to that guy. Big shout out to Cyril. And he's, he's all- only been outside of the walls for four years, so it's just yeah, amazing how much he's accomplished in that time. Twenty sixteen, touchdown. Yeah. I mean, the only really shout outs I want to give is uh, the boys, uh, David Randazzo and Ronnie Cockroach over there uh, at our thing. I, uh, appreciate them. That's our thing. Clothing apparel. But, uh, another shout out I want to give is to my people that keep the shit box wheels a turning. Now, if you're anything like me and your car is just a hunk of junk and breaking down and the fucking coronavirus has got secretary of state closed up like fucking a nun's private parts and you can't get in and get an ID. So you're stuck riding a shit box. You know, you're gonna have to put some money to her. But if you're going to put money into her, you might as well do it the right way and call somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing if you don't know how to do it yourself. Now, for me, considering that I live, you know, just outside the metro Detroit area, about 45 minutes, but they're my people, so I fuck with them. I go to the 392 Brothers Mobile Mechanics. That's 392 Brothers with a Z Mobile Mechanics. Uh, they're limited service because they're a startup company. There's only a couple of them, uh, but they're good friends of mine, and you can call them up. They'll give you a free quote. I mean, seriously, anything you really need done to your car, I mean – they got it on lock. You can call them at 313-974-2222. That's 313-974-2222. All right. So just like radio, we're going to go back to talking about Greg Scarpa. Thanks for sending through our advertisements, everybody, <laughs> if you're still listening. If you're still listening, I appreciate uh, your patience. Now, when did Greg Scarpa become a rat, Brett? Was it when, when, uh, when, when did he decide he was going to play both sides and, and work for the feds? Do you know? 62. Yeah, I was going to say, I know it was before he... Yeah, March. The veto. Uh, it was following the armed robbery he was arrested for in 62, wasn't it? Yeah. What, uh, what did he stick up, David? Uh, I just know it's uh, uh, an armed robbery that they was up for. Um, I'm, I, I don't know where. I know he's arrested for that. Um, and, and he, obviously, to avoid prosecution for that, he agreed to work... Um, undercover with the FBI, which started his his relationship with them. But again, um, I, I I I think it goes higher than that. To be honest, I, I think, and the fact that Lyndon B. Johnson was president at the time as well um, also makes me think that there was other things going on. <laughs> yeah, he was a icy son of a bitch. No, because I know in the summer, I think it's the summer of '64. And that when the FBI sends him to Mississippi or wherever yep. the fuck it was, he scoops up that TV salesman, uh, Lawrence Bird, and fucking gives him the old 
Torturu to get him to talk about uh, what was it again? What had happened, Brett? It was the murder of those uh, the three civil rights workers. Um, I said, Rob, they were you. they were killed and uh, nobody knew where the bodies were or anything like that. So um, they sent Scarborough. Obviously, FBI can't torture these guys or whatever. So they sent Scopper out there to handle it, and uh, he. The guy Bird, who uh, who Scapa went after, he owned a a TV repair shop, and so Scapa goes to his store, uh, out there in Mississippi, and says, you know, buys a TV from him, and says he has a bad back. Can you put it into my car for me? The guy w- carries it out to his car, and as soon as he gets to the trunk, you know, I guess Scott pulled the gun on him and. Uh, took him hostage. He took him to a cabin in the woods that the uh, FBI provided, and he just fucking brutally tortured this guy until he gave up uh, the location of the bodies. Yeah, where the bodies were buried. By the way, Rob, I asked that question. <laughs> you greedy bitch. You greedy fuck. I was like, what do you think of it? And Rob's like, hey, let me tell you what I think about it. Tom Brady. Well, uh, when, uh, when, uh, when you said when you said it, uh, about um, when you mentioned that, you paused and nobody filled it in. So I want your side, Rob. See, I'm learning. <laughs> we don't want that. No, Brett, are you still with I us, am. though, brother? You got to yell over these maniacs, bro. You got to get hype and you got to be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I got something to say. Uh, it's a it's a dog fight over here at this table, man. It's not like fucking you'll. Uh, yeah, you'll hear me half button in the whole time and they're just going off. I'm like, all right, I'm going to hit my dad pen one more time, and then I'm fucking I'm, – I got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, one, like, that's a – Christ Carpenter's got some weird things about him for because for as cold-hearted as he was, um, according to Linda shout, – uh, shout out to Linda Scarpa, by the way. I'd uh, love, love, love if you would come on here and give us your point of view on this whole thing. That's why I'm hoping this is the Greg Scarpa part one episode, but – that is all up to you. I understand if not, but it would be cool to hear it from your side. And trust me, there'd be no judgment at this table. Who I mean, who the fuck can we judge? <laughs> but nonetheless, he seemed like a good father. And then I love the story of when uh, I forget what FBI agent was, but it was Christmas time, and he's having a hell of a time finding a cat for his daughter. And yeah, was it Demacio? Okay, yeah. And, and fucking Greg Scarpa says that's so gangster, man. That's, <laughs> that's such a boss flex. <laughs> Well, finish, finish telling the rest of it. He ends up, what? He doesn't just what? buy one. He buys like a whole case of them. I thought it was a lorry load. Yeah. 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 Didn't he deliver a lorry load to him? Yeah. A whole box. <laughs> I know. I didn't know that part. I thought he just sent a fucking doll. He, no? What, what? He, sent a, what? he sent how many? It was like a, like, I if it, can't remember if it was just one case or if it was like a, like a truck. Like he literally found, you know. I think a, a truck pulled up on it, Brett, and he opened the back, and there was like a pallet of yeah. um, of, of boxes of, of cabbage patch kids, and told him to take your pick. Yep. <laughs> that's no, that's awesome. That's I something that we need Linda for to I confirm. Thought... <laughs> yeah. No. I yeah, thought... and they they gave one box off of it to him. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So like, see, I was thinking like he sent this. I was like, oh, that's kind of almost a dick move. What are you going to do with fucking fifteen cabbage patch kids? And what's funny is, all right, no one fucking had these things anywhere. None of the stores. And so, you know, he had heard that Scott had heard he needed one, and all of a sudden, you know, he's got a whole fucking truck full of them. You know what I mean? It's funny how no one can find them, but he can get a whole truck. What, um, how far 
is Mississippi from, I'm assuming, because it's in the south and New York's in the north. There's quite a bit of difference. Because in 1966, Scarpa helped the FBI again, didn't they? In Mississippi, again. Yeah. It's probably only like a 12-hour drive, Well, they really. probably flew him. I mean... So, no, but what I mean is, it's not... Yeah. It's like, why are you going to know about the ground in Mississippi? Um, why... why I don't know. It just seems to me, it just seems a bit strange that the FBI would use an informant or someone from the FBI that comes all the way from New York in, in Mississippi. It, for me, that doesn't make sense. And not just once, twice. It's not, we're not talking about Mississippi and then uh, California or Mississippi and then Alaska. It's twice in Mississippi um, to be. So well, why Mississippi? Is there something well, about Mississippi? That's what gets me. Yeah. Yes, it's a backwards bumfuck state. That's what it well, is. It's also the fact, you know, FBI is a federal organization. Yep. So, I mean, it's not like it was the New York, you know, police department that's like, hey, go down there to Mississippi. No, I know, but it's not as if they, they, they didn't have informers in other states closer to Mississippi. Um, it just seemed, well, is it not a coincidence but- that they used um, someone from New York, from New York twice? for the same sort of thing, which were um, both incidences that were allegedly um, to do with the Klan. If you're going to... Well, I think... If you're going to find... Go ahead, Brett. You know, if you do it the first time and you get the answers you need, the price is right, you know, why go back to someone else? Yeah, I agree, Brett. I agree. We use yeah, guys- why, why are Mississippi, Mississippi dealing hot- with New York FBI, yeah. though? <laughs> Federal Bureau of Investigation. Every yeah, branch no, what is I mean is, Greg Scarpa would have been working with the FBI in New York as their um, their informant. So only right. New York would have known well, that he was an informant. So where? Why does Mississippi happen twice? Well, That's what I mean. In well, my opinion, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Rob. Um, in my opinion, I mean, it it kind of makes perfect sense that they used they used Scapper again because, uh, you know, he with like with the guy Lawrence Bird, he he had to brutally torture and mur- murder this guy. You know what I mean? So Scapper could link the FBI to ordering basically a torture and a hit. You know what I mean? So I think it's so where when they need him again, they might need him to you know hurt people again. You know, if they use somebody else for that, you know, th- it's going to be too many. People, you don't want to use a dozen different people for that kind of stuff because then you have a dozen different people that can turn on you and it could get out. You know what I mean? I so I think they kept going back to Scapa because he could get the job done. Um, and using the same guy is, you know, it makes more sense to me than using multiple people. You know, you and plus you build up that trust. I agree. Yeah, and it, I think it's just more simple where they already had him torture and kill people, so. There was literally nothing else they could have him do that would be worse. So, what's one more? Yeah, you don't want to have a dozen different guys out there that are doing it because you know if you you have a falling out with them or whatever, they could go to you know, you know, say, oh these F- these FBI agents had me kill someone and yeah, no, I um, agree, I hundred percent agree. With that. I hopped on and did you know a bit of research right now, and turns out that in 64 with the bird incident the actual um it wasn't just mississippi there was also philadelphia 
police department was involved. Oh. And it was the Mississippi field agents, I think, talking with Philadelphia that ended up, they requested SCARPA. <laughs> and so then in 66, so it wasn't just, you know, New York, Philadelphia saying, let's send him down there. People were actually requesting that he come down as, you know, an out-of-state hitter. Look, when you're good at when you're good at fucking, you know, fixing something, you're good at fixing something. It is what it is. And I believe, if if I remember correctly, it was um, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover who uh, he was in Mississippi, he, didn't he? Because they were getting a lot of bad. Um, that's that's where I read about Lyndon B. Johnson that he insisted to uh, Hoover that he gets this sorted personally, and apparently Hoover went to Mississippi. And he wouldn't leave Mississippi until the murder or the body was found. Yeah, that's that's definitely, you know, what possibly happened because um, I know Hoover himself was in on the whole scop of running the thing. He, I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me at all if it was Hoover's idea. Wouldn't, but wouldn't, Ooh, wouldn't um, who was Attorney General at the time? Wouldn't that was still Bobby Kennedy, wouldn't it? By this time. Well. Um, uh, no, by that time, it, it maybe in 1964, it still could have been Bobby Kennedy, but uh, Jack was killed in uh, 1963, and Bobby stepped down. Lyndon Johnson wanted Bobby to stay on, but uh, yeah, Bobby no, he, did. Did. he stepped down as attorney general. Um, so by the time 1964 came around, I don't think um, – well, yeah, he had a – I'm sure he was for a short time, and then in uh, – because it, it happened – the Kennedy hit only happened a few months before uh, 1964, so I believe. Um, yeah, no, yeah, no, I did. I mean, you're right. But, but yeah, so I can't see Bobby taking part on taking part in something like that. Yeah, I'm. Mean, somebody, somebody, somebody's dog ain't happy. Oh, yeah, that's guys, I'm gonna, again. guys, I'm going to have to oh, call baby. an early one because we got fireworks night here and the dogs are going mental. So I'm going to shut off so I can sort the All dogs right, no out. Problem, um, sorry for the early one, but um, no have problem. a good show, guys. And I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, no, Crack on, guys. Later, brother. Yeah, later, brother. All right, boys. Well, I mean, we'll put in another like 10, 15 or fucking bullshit a little bit, talk a few things we think, and then we'll call it. I don't like going too far without David or Rob, but it's uh, – it's like, I mean, it's like a home here. It's like a brotherhood, you know what I mean? So, but Yeah, but I mean, might as well finish it up, though, yeah, you know? Yeah, no, got to get her done. Now, I, what I can't believe is that a conservative estimate say, like, the FBI intern, over the years, all the services paid fucking Scarborough, like, yep. 158K or something like that. That's like a fucking, that's like a really good job wage. Like, fucking, I mean. Well, I think he's from, from uh, the 1960s until... The 1990s, I believe the total amount was somewhere around two million, three million. Total, like in total. Yeah, like meaning from all the years that they used him, he was paid. Uh, oh, he made right. a couple yeah, million like, off of it. Yeah, because 158 thousand a year, and he was doing it for right. Yeah, well, yeah. This is over 30 years, so it's not yeah. really, you know, it's it, it's very believable because. He once told uh, Larry Maz, I believe it was, Larry asked him how much money he had, and Greg said if he jumped off the top of it and he hit the ground, it would kill him. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't – meaning yeah. he didn't have much? No, meaning that he would – he had so much money it would stack so high that it would kill him. Larry, like, oh. like how, much money, how much money do you have stashed away? 
And Greg's like, if I could stack it all up and jump off the top of it, by the time I hit the ground, it'd kill me. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know how much money uh, Six you know, he left, he left his family with. But, um, oh, yeah, no, he definitely – he was a huge earner. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all if he had a good amount of cash stashed uh, away because he was a huge earner and he was in the mob for over 30 years. And another thing is, is at, when he contact, uh, contracted the HIV – he got a uh, $300,000 settlement from the uh, hospital yeah. for not test, for not testing the blood. And uh, so when they, when they made the agreement, he told the hospital, okay, I want my 300,000 in two days and I want it in cash. <laughs> Brett. So uh, how many during the, I think it's 1991 combo war between the arena and the Persco faction. How many uh, people do you think, Scarpa single-handedly killed, just kind of on a whim, like on an estimate. Like, what? What do you like? Wasn't it like fourteen, yeah, fifteen, I'm something like sure that? It was under twenty. Uh... Yeah, it was under twenty, but still, in just like a, a short time stretch, he clipped a lot of guys. I mean, uh, didn't he kill? He killed Thomas yep. Amato, right? Correct. He killed uh, Rosario uh, Masata or whatever yep. Matasta. Yeah, we obviously already covered uh, Vincent Fasaro. That was the gentleman who was hanging Christmas lights and was gunned down. Uh, what about uh, Michael DeRosa? Was that him? No, no. Uh, Michael DeRosa is still alive. Is he? Yeah, no, he got into a uh, shootout with them. Oh, okay. All right. I thought he was clipped. Yeah. His son had um, gotten, you know, ripped off from some money from uh, DeRosa. And uh, when he got home, his the, a friend that he was with, you know, mentioned it in front of Greg, and uh, Greg was on house arrest at the time. And he oh, was, you know, is that when he got shot in the eye? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so he went, he okay. went down there and got out of the car shooting. And uh, it wasn't Duro, it was um, Messi, Marvin, Moran who uh, yeah, okay. shot, okay. shot Greg in the face. Yeah, the first bullet went through and uh, it hit the back seat. It hit uh, his son Joey's friend, killing him. Yeah. And then uh, then Scapa was shot in the face. And I guess, like, Joey thought his father was dead because he fell back into the car. He thought he was dead, and he got out and ran home. And, like, ten minutes later, here comes fucking Greg and his car <laughs> pulling up after being shot yeah. in the fucking I mean, face. <coughs> so he actually went, hospital. After he got home, he went and he uh, – pretty sure he opened up a bottle of scotch and drank before he actually went yeah. to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe he was smoking pot that night also. Say, didn't he start doing drugs towards the end of his life? I know he liked to smoke weed, but I mean, if, if he was doing them during then, then, I, I, you know, it's very, uh, I it's swore. very believable. It's possible. I mean, I know he, um, well, it's not a really drug, but he used to yeah. take handfuls yeah. and handfuls of uh, aspirin at a time. Because he had a bad back, and that's actually what caused the uh, the ulcer. His bleeding ulcer was when you know uh, when he had to have the surgery for that and get the blood transfusion. That's when he caught the uh, caught the HIV. He didn't want to use um, the hospital's blood because he feared that it would be tainted with HIV. So he got all of his guys to come in, you know, his mob guys, and uh, donate the blood. And I think out of thirty of them, uh, one guy, a guy by the name of Paul Me. Um, he was HIV positive from uh, using steroids. He didn't know it at the time, but he was HIV positive. And, yeah, uh, that ended, ended up costing ended up, his life. Uh, Did he ever get clipped? And, but, 
you know what? I don't know what happened to Paul Me. It, it's yeah, I, I I've asked Linda about it before, and I don't know if she if she knows what happened to him either. Um, it, I I literally have n- no information on him after that. There's actually a picture of him, um, a surveillance photo of him standing outside uh, uh, yeah. Greg Scapa's uh, social club. The Wimpy, Wimpy Boys, Boys was it in Benson? Standing outside. Bensoners? Okay, yeah, I thought so. I just want to make sure. So I get my get my facts right. I mean, he inevitably died in prison in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, on June fourth, nineteen ninety four. Obviously, succumbing to you know the HIV, the AIDS. You know, I mean, it's pretty self explanatory on that one. But I mean, nonetheless, he he definitely left the legacy yeah, behind him. Like without a doubt, he was one of the most savage hitmen. <laughs> The Columbo's ever had right up there with crazy Joe Gallo, fucking and Carmine Persco himself. I think. Yeah, after that shooting where he lost his eye, that's when, because uh, he was already on house arrest at the time um, when it happened. So uh, then, you know, after that, they weren't letting him. Uh, they weren't letting him back out of jail. His wife tried to get them to let him go home and die, but they said no because that's what they did. That's what they did yeah. in the last case, and he went out and you know shooting at people, so that didn't that didn't pan out for him. But he, um, I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was what I'm trying to think about. They did him to a hospital wing was, of a prison. Was, they, they moved him to a hospital wing of the prison. It wasn't just you know he wasn't just yeah. in his own cell. They actually moved him because of the complications. Oh yeah. They, yeah, because the judge said to him when it when it when they asked if they you know if they could send him home, die, whatever. His uh, the judge says something like, um, "Can he does his finger work? Can he use his finger?" And they're like, "Yeah, why?" It's like because if he can use his finger, that means he can pull the trigger That's of awesome. a gun. So no, I'm not awesome. releasing him. Well, boys, uh, I'm gonna keep this sort of open, open ended because I'm hoping we can get Linda on for a second piece. But if not, we'll all get together down the road. And do sort of a second rack up, uh, rack up of you know Greg Scarpa and some other characters. We're going to talk uh, Joe Colombo and uh, Carmine Persico next week, and I'm going to kind of follow suit on this. So I'm already going to pick our topic for next week. Uh, Brett, you're more welcome to join us again if you'd like. If not, it was great to have you a second time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for coming yeah, on, bro. No really problem. Uh, shout out to David. Sorry that uh, they're shooting off fireworks and your dog's going mad. That that's shitty. Shout out to Rob because your football team can't get it together. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, uh. yeah. Now, now, you know what? Now I know how you feel. You know what I mean? Now I know how you feel. And when they do, I'm making a podcast called Tilly Time Tuesday. That's where I'm going to sum up all the hockey fights from the week before on a Tuesday night while I'm on the road climbing. Oh, shout out to Augusta Tower Technologies for keeping me employed and keeping the lights on in this bitch. Boys, it's been fun. I'm going to go roll a fat one. You guys keep it live. Brett, thanks for coming on, brother.